0: Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes and Ecclesiastes and chapter number four. We're walking through this book of the Bible found inside of the middle of the Old Testament in what we call the poetical books. The poetical books would consist of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Now remember that we call them the poetical books because they are poetical expressions dealing with the common issues of life. That these deal with the things that people can relate to. The heart issues of man. As we come to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is a very special book as it is written by King Solomon. But it's not King Solomon in his early days when he's walking with the Lord. But King Solomon is now old. And as he's looking back in his life, he has not been following God for the last 15 or so years. And so he's decided to follow after God Uh, other gods to ignore the God of the Bible, the God that had spoken to him twice. And he thought he would do his own thing. Now at this time, Solomon studied and he just didn't study animals. He became a zoologist. He just didn't study plants. He became a botanist. He became a leader in science and thought during his time so much that people around the world would come and seek his advice. He was a master builder and he was successful. That one of his buildings is still considered one of the ancient wonders of that ancient world. Just a wonder. The things that he got accomplished. He had so much wealth. He had pleasure available. He had so much. And yet, as he's older and has found that he has lived his life without regard to God in the last 15-20 years, he comes to the conclusion of vanity. Vanity. That life is vanity. That word vanity means empty we see the poetical expression quite often in the book of Ecclesiastes, meaning under the sun, which is a poetical say of living our life without, re- living our life without regard to God is emptiness. And here is an empty king who has taken an honest look at life and giving us a view of what life is like when God is not included in part of our life. And so notice what the wisest man who lived, as he gives an honest evaluation, let's see what happens in chapter number four, Ecclesiastes chapter four, and notice with me starting at verse number one, Ecclesiastes chapter four in verse number one, the word of God says this, so I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. Wherefore I praise the dead which were already dead, more than the living which are yet alive. Yea, better is he than both they which hath not yet been who hath not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. Again, I considered all the travail and every right work for this... (laughs) is a man that is envied of his neighbor. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. The fool foldeth his hands together and eateth his own flesh. Better is a handful with quietness than both hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. Then I returned and saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone and there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother, yet... Is there no end of his labor? Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Neither saith he from whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good. This is also vanity. Yea, it is a sore travail. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter four? Ecclesiastes chapter four. And notice with me in verse one, this phrase where it says, behold, The tears. Behold the tears. And with this, let's see Solomon's observation as he's looking down at life. And he's coming to a conclusion. And he has this expression and this conclusion here in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 1 through 8. Behold the tears. Behold the tears. As Solomon is looking upon the people of his kingdom, the first thing he said was he saw their tears. Notice what it says again in verses one through three. So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such that are oppressed. They have no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was no power, but they had no comforter. Wherefore, I praise the dead that were already dead more than the living which were alive. Yea, better is he, both they which hath not been, who hath not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. You know, Job came to a similar conclusion, and we're not going to turn there, but for reference sake in Job 14.1, where Job said, man is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. That was Job's conclusion when he's in the middle of all of his stuff. That he says, you know what? We don't have a lot of days. Amen. But the days that we have, they're full of trouble. If we look at someone's life, you know what we see categorized as trouble and heartbreak? Have you ever met anyone who's had a life without trouble? Nope. Have you ever met anyone who had a carefree life where there's all rainbow, rainbows and puppy dog tails and, and tug... Um, Tongue licks and dog wags and everything was great all their life. No. Every single one of us have problems. There's not a single person who doesn't have things that come up in their life. Devastation, sorrows, heartbreaks. Things that we have to deal with. And as Solomon is making this observation, he says when you live your life without regard to God and we take God out of the equation... You know what we end up seeing is all the horrible things in life. We look at all the heartbreaks. We look at all the trouble. We look at all the awful things that happen. As we look through life, you know what we see is just the tears. They're upset. They're hurting. They're crying. They're hopeless. Beholding the tears (laughs) lets us see that this world doesn't offer anything at all. And it helps us to be able to realize as Christians that we need a hope that this world does not have. Mm -hmm. Notice if you don't mind as we explore this. And let's see the things as we behold the tears. The first thing that we want to see is the considerations. The considerations. Notice the things that we're considering. Notice again in verse 1. So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. Remember that phrase is a poetical way of stating that without regard to God. When you look at things without regard to God, all that you can see is problems and issues. You know, we see that in our life. Look at our social media. Look at our news. It's always bad news. It's always trouble. It's always things. I mean, you have people that purposely have to say, I'm going to put a happy post on in the midst of all the other ugliness. Because that's what we see in this life. Death, destruction. What else do we consider here? Notice this. So I returned and considered all the oppressions. That are done under the sun. We see the oppressions. And we see the oppressors seem to have so much power. And that doesn't seem that there's anyone there to help them. When think about. People's normal conversation. And people's normal conversation. Who are not regarding to God. What we see is. The rich. The elite. This party. This party. This group of people. And we see oppressors. And we see people that are trying to stand against the oppressors, but they don't make any hit. It's like standing in a tidal wave and trying to fight against it. And this world just becomes awful. And you see more oppression and more oppression and more oppression and more oppression. And people start trying to search, is there a way out of this? Is there something that I can do to stand against this? And when people see not just wave, After wave, after wave of bad news, of oppression, of no getting out of this, of being stuck, there are going to be conclusions that are going to be drawn. Notice again, without regard to God, notice again in verse four, or verse one, chapter four, verse one, so I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of such as were oppressed that have no comforter. No comforter. When you look at at life without putting God in the the equation, without putting God in, all we see is a life that's awful and doesn't seem to want to get better. No hope of getting better. The oppressors are oppressing. The systems are oppressing. Everything is putting the pressure on and you see the tears and there's no comfort, no comfort for them whatsoever. When you have God out of this equation, notice verse two, wherefore I praise the dead, which were already dead more than the living, which are yet alive. He says, you know what? The dead have it better off. They don't have to deal with the next trouble. They don't have to deal with the next heartache. They don't have to deal with the next problem. They're off easy. We who are alive still have to deal with this awful world. Now, if we'd be honest, there's a lot of people who have that view. If we'd be honest, there may be times that we've had that view. It is a bleak existence. Solomon had already said two chapters before, he said, therefore, I hated life. We live in a time where suicide is an option for a lot of people because they don't see any way of making it better. And when you don't have God within the equation, what can you offer them? What hope can you get to someone who's lost everything? What hope can you give to someone when God is not part of the equation, when they feel so empty and they don't feel comfortable in this old world? People start searching for anything to give them hope, anything to help them feel more comfortable in this world. And they find out that that leaves them more empty, that people go through drastic measures all the time to try to say, if I do something different, if I try to come up with a different thing, but when God is not part of the equation, they come to the same conclusion and they feel even more hopeless. Think of people who've done through drastic measures. Here's my life. I'm not satisfied. It seems awful. So I'm going to come to a drastic change to do something else. And to see if this will make me happy. To see if this will fix it. To see if it. And when it doesn't, what happens? They feel even more hopeless. And now that they've tried it, they come to the conclusion that I should just end it. The dead are better off. Again, forgive the personal illustration, but I'm a police chaplain I'm called to suicide call, after suicide call, after suicide call. And listening to people that have the stories that all match the same, they didn't have hope. They tried it this way. They did this drastic change. They tried to fix it. They tried to do this. They put someone in their life, well, my life wasn't happy, so I'm going to get myself a boyfriend. I'm going to get myself a girlfriend. And those, they find out, well, that didn't fix the problem. It made things worse. Now I'm fighting with them all the time. Okay. Well, (laughs) I don't like my life as it is. So I'm going to quit my job that I spent 30 years working and I'm going to find a brand new career. Maybe that will make things better. Maybe I'll be happier and they get a brand new job, brand new career. And it doesn't make them happier. Now, what do I do? That didn't work. Well, I know it's where I live. And if I could get a different location, different house, different... And if I could change everything and move over here, yes, I spent all my life savings. I gave everything I had. Now I'm in a different location. And I still have the same problems. The people over here aren't any happier than the people over there. When God's outside of the equation... And you see desperate people going through desperate measures, trying to fill something, trying to get away from the pain and the suffering, from the oppression, from everything. And they do everything they possibly can, and it doesn't work. They come to the same conclusion that Solomon does. Now remember, Solomon is away from God. And he's admitting that all throughout this. God's not part of his equation. Remember, he's using a poetical phrase without uh, or under the sun. He doesn't even say without regard to God. He said, without under the sun, without looking at God. He said, when I look at the world, my only conclusion is that the dead are better off. And there's so many people who draw that conclusion. And again, with God taken out of the equation, what hope could they even have? What hope? And again, you hear the people saying, I think I'm going to try this. I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this drastic measure. And then it doesn't work. Story after story after story that I show up to. It's heartbreaking. Of course, on my side, I deal with the officers. Think about this. If they don't have regard to God and they see people drawing this conclusion all the time, do you think there's a hopelessness that starts to drift into them? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I look at all these people that are taking the way out and they feel like this is the only hope. And I look at my life and what can I do to make it better? We know that every year there are more officer suicides than than officers who shot in the line of duty every year. Normally, it's two to three times as much. It's a horrible thing. Why? What can explain it? See how much death they're exposed to all the time? And if the people that they deal with have drawn that conclusion, when you're exposed to that much death and suffering, what conclusion can you draw when God's not part of your equation? You say, this is pretty awful stuff. Yeah, Solomon is at a bad place. He's taking an honest look at his life and he's miserable. He's already said he hated life. We come from the considerations and we move to a comforter. The comforter. Notice that twice he made mention in verse 1. So I returned and considered all the oppressions that were done under the sun. Behold the tears that were oppressed and they that had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power, but they had no comforter. We know that without the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no comforter. But those people who've placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a comforter. When there are tears that come into our life, it is wonderful to know the Lord Jesus and to find comfort in him. In fact, we have the promise that at the very end, before we enter eternity future, he will wipe away all tears. You know, that's the hope that we go through is that we'll be at a place where there'll be no more tears, Mm -hmm. no more sorrow, no more broken hearts, a world that will be fixed because God will fix it. But how do I survive from here to there? Well, I have a comforter in the present tense as well. In fact, hold your finger here and turn with me to the gospel record of John. The gospel record of John in chapter 16. The gospel record of John chapter 16. Now in the gospel record of John chapter 16, Jesus Christ is headed to the cross. He is pulling his disciples right after the last supper, and he is walking to the Garden of Gethsemane with his 12 disciples. 11 disciples, one has already taken off to betray him. And Jesus Christ is giving them some last-minute instructions so they can survive without him. So after he goes to the cross of Calvary, that the work will continue. Now think about, these 11 disciples are fixing to go through a major tragedy, a critical incident, that not only are they going to betray Jesus, That same Jesus they betrayed is going to be put to the cross. And they never get a chance to say before he's put on the cross that they were sorry. Now think about that. We know we deal with people all the time. that had a fight with their family member and then their family member died. And then they're stuck with that. I never got to say goodbye. My last words were to them was hurtful. That weighs a lot to them. The disciples are going to a critical incident. And Jesus is trying to prepare them and help them so they can survive the most tragic incident they are going to witness and be a part of. Notice what Jesus does to instruct them. Notice with me the gospel record of John chapter 16. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in the gospel record of John chapter 16, starting at verse number five. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, whither he goest. But because I've said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled filled your heart. Without a doubt, Jesus is saying, I'm going away. And they're, they're heartbroken. They don't understand exactly all that's going on. Jesus tried to tell them, but they weren't paying attention. So they missed out that Jesus is going to rise again the third day. He's now, all they're hearing is that he's now leaving them. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. That word expedient is a very important word here. He says, this is necessary and good for you. It is expedient for you that I go away. Why? Remember, we see that word for. We could often ask the question why ask the question why? Why is it good for us that you go away? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, if you had Jesus that was right next to you, wouldn't you rather have Jesus? And Jesus said, no, it's better that I take off. It's better that I leave. How is that better? How is that better? Well, Jesus says, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus says, I need to go so you can have the comforter. Now, he speaks about the comforter in a different passage in the same uh, uh, message to them. But he explains that the comforter. Now, Jesus Christ, who was God robed in flesh, while he's robed in flesh, can only be in one place at a time. He's limited in location in his flesh. But the comforter, and by the way, he says another comforter, that word another means another of the same kind. See, when Jesus ascended up, he sent God, the Holy Spirit to come and God, the Holy Spirit can be with all of us. Amen. So instead of being stuck in one location at a time, wrapped in his physical body, mm-hmm. he can now be with all of us at the same time. Amen. That comforter. It's one of my favorite names for God is the comforter, because how many times have we needed that comforter? That without that comforter, we can behold the tears and see the sorrow. And we'd come up the same conclusions that the rest of the world does. That life without regard to God, there's no answers. There's nothing to leave up to. But because we have God here and we have access to the Holy Spirit. And he is the great comforter. That equation now changes drastically. That God is able to do some of the greatest things in our life. Because of the comforter. And that he can give us a peace that passeth all understanding. That phrase carries the idea of peace that doesn't make sense. What do you mean you just lost your father? How in the world can you have peace? Don't you understand this is a devastating thing? I can have a great peace because of the Holy Spirit within me. And that because my father trusted Christ and I trusted Christ, I have the promise that I will see him again. It's only so- see you, um, goodbye for a little while, but I will see you later. There becomes a comfort there because of the promises of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit being within me that even when it doesn't make sense, I can have a peace because of the comforter. That's something that the world doesn't have. When they don't have that comforter, they don't have any comfort and they have to draw a conclusion that this world is awful and it is. And because it's so awful, it's not getting better and it's not. Therefore, the dead have it better off than us. I better join with them. We could come to a different conclusion that life is worth the living because he lives. That I could find peace and purpose. That God can still use me in these dark times. That God is still getting something accomplished. That God can still do good. Instead of focusing on the horrible things of this life, I can look at the great things of life because of the comforter that we have. Oh, that is something that the world desperately needs. If the world truly realized that there was a peace and a comfort they could have, they would run towards it. But they don't realize that they can have access to it, that they can have a comforter. It's exactly what people are looking for, to be able to have this comforter to help us in life, this comforter who gives us the promise of eternal life, something better. Both today and for tomorrow. What a great comforter that we have that we could trust Him. Oh, what a great God. What a great God. So, with that, turn back with me to the book of Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. So, we come to a conclusion. We have the considerations that life without regard to God is awful there's oppressors, there's no hope, behold the tears, it's just awful that we just draw the idea that the dead have it better than us, let's just end it, that they do everything they can to change their circumstances, and when it doesn't work, they're left even more empty and more without hope. What do we see here? Verse number four, again, I considered all the travail and every right work. For this is a man that envied of his nature neighbor, and this also was vanity and vexation of spirit. Notice this. The fool folded his hands together and eateth his own flesh. Again, this is a poetical way of that that he's just going to just eat himself. And look at how many people destroy their own selves. Amen. Without regard to God, that they just destroy themselves more and more. They don't even realize the damage they're doing. The Bible says this is a fool because they can have fullness of joy. They can have a peace, but instead they're looking for something and they destroy their own bodies and they're left with the consequences of the destruction as they're eating their own selves. Verse number f- six, better. Whenever you see this in the poetical books, it's going to give you a comparison. So, better is a handful with quietness, then both hands full, which travail and vexation of spirit. Think about this. Here is someone now, it's talking about the possessions of life. Do you know that you can have all the possessions you can grab your hand on and still be empty? Yes. And still come to the place that life's not worth a living? Remember Solomon is the richest man of his time. He is worth, I think, forgive me, I'm just scrolling stats from memory now. I think two, sc- scratch that, his yearly income was like $20 billion. Yearly income. How would you like to have a yearly income of $20 billion? You wouldn't know what to do with it. And he says, my hands are full. My heart is empty. My hands are full and I still hate life. You know, it's not possessions that make people happy. And yet people focus on this world, having more, getting more, being more, trying to do everything I can. I'm just trying to get everything I can. Maybe one of these things will make me, maybe this next TV commercial, whatever it's advertising is going to make me happy. Maybe this next store will have something that will make me happy. Maybe this brand new jewelry, maybe this brand new offer, maybe this brand new gym membership, maybe this, and they're looking for something. Bible says, better is a handful with quietness. It's better to have less possessions and have a peace than it is to have everything in the world and an emptiness. It's a comparison here. We have to decide that we're not going to put a lot of premium on the possessions of life, that we're going to put the premium on God and the comforter, and he can make a life worth living. Verse seven, then I returned and saw the vanity, the emptiness under the sun without regard to God. There's one alone and there's not a second and he is neither child nor brother yet no end of his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Neither saith he for whom do I labor bereave my soul of good. This is also vanity and travail of soreness of spirit. If you don't mind, let's conclude this in the book of Proverbs chapter 15. So if you're in the Ecclesiastes just turn the other direction the next book over or the previous book was the book of Proverbs Proverbs chapter 15 Proverbs 15 Let's see the conclusion that was drawn by Solomon under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he was wise and giving good advice Notice with me in the book of Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15, notice with me verse 16. How much better, there's that word better again in this poetical books, we're doing a comparison. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? Now there's a lot of people that have said, you want to be wise or do you want to have gold? Most of the world will say, give me the gold. Maybe he will give me something that's I could have to make me happy. But the Bible says it's better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather than chosen of spirit. You know, understanding comes from God. Instead of asking the question why, those with understanding can answer the question who? God. God knows what he's doing. Better to have understanding than to be chosen than silver. You know, I heard of an old story of a farmer who had a bird's nest. (laughs) And uh, it was built on a little thristle bush, And so the bird had made this nest in the thristle brush. And the farmer went and saw the birds and saw that it was starting to build a nest. And the farmer destroyed the nest. Think about the bird from the bird's perspective. What are you doing, man? I'm building a home. I'm trying to have something here, I'm trying to build this up. What are you doing? And so the bird went to rebuild the nest. The bird starts getting the material, starts building the nest. And as he's starting to build it, the farmer noticed that the bird was building the nest. So he went and broke up the nest, disturbed it. Again, think of the bird's perspective. What are you doing? I've worked so hard. I, this is the second time I put everything into it. And it's all destroyed and messed up. The bird said, all right, I'm going to do it again. I've got, I want to have this nest. So in that thicket brush, it builds the nest a third time. And the farmer sees it. And once again disrupts the nest, destroys the nest. The bird, you, from a bird's perspective, what are you doing? What are you doing?" And the bird said, "Fine. I'll build it over here." And when the farmer saw the nest was starting to be built over there, the farmer took the time then to burn the brush to clear the field. You see, the farmer knew what he was doing the whole time. He had enough information. But from the bird's perspective, all he saw was his life being disrupted. Everything being, he didn't have understanding. Now, if we take that to us, how many times your life has been disrupted? And you go, what are you doing? What's going on? Just leave me alone. Let me do things myself. And we don't understand we're at the wrong place. We don't understand. We don't have all the information that God has something better for us. We're just frustrated. How come this isn't working? I'm trying so hard and it's falling apart on me. You see, what we have to enter into the equation is that God knows what he's doing. Instead of asking the question why, we ask the question who? God knows what he's doing. And life becomes less disruptive and less oppressive when we say, I can trust God to to tell us what to do. I can trust God to bring me to where I need to go. I can trust God to get across exactly what needs to happen. You see, God has to enter into our equation. And when God is not in our equation, we don't have enough information. All we see is the oppressiveness of life. And like that bird in the tail that we just get so frustrated. Why is this happening? How come this is happening to me And all we see is that destroyed life, destroyed nests, destroyed possessions. Better, better to get wisdom than the gold. Better to get understanding than silver. The answer is not why, the answer is who. And when we put God back into our equation, we find that there's a comfort that comes from the comforter to help us in these situations. And instead of focusing on how awful life is, we can concentrate on how good he is. And that we can have a peace that doesn't make sense to the lost world, to a world that's taking God out of the equation. We can have something better. 5306308. Once again that number is 9205306308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you please let us know we would love to make ourselves available thank you.